Welcome to Flippin' Awesome Coaching, a podcast designed for athletes who love a challenge and want to see just how far they can really go. I'm your host, Amy Twiggs, and the podcast starts now. All right, guys, really quick before we start the podcast, I have to tell you about the Pro Mindset Academy Summer 2020 event coming up May 29th through 30th here in St. George, Utah. The spaces are limited, but what we're going to do is if you jump in now to flippinawesomecoaching.com, click on the live events tab, you can sign up for a spot. You want to get a spot quick though, because these are going to go super fast. We just barely opened this up. We changed everything that we were going to do with it. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be a challenge though. If you're somebody who doesn't like challenges, which I'm hoping if you're an athlete, you like challenges, but this is going to be a challenge, physical and mental challenges the whole time. And you're going to learn so much about you. And if you are going to one of those college camps that you want to stand out, because how do you stand out from a crowd of athletes? If you want to stand out, come to this camp. This is a great way. This training is going to help you learn how to stand out at the camps. If you're trying to get those college scholarships and you're trying to get those recruiters to notice you, come to this camp. It's going to set you up for the whole summer. It's going to set you up for the next season. This uh, Pro Mindset Academy Summer 2020 event is going to be very unique and very difficult. So come to it. I'm excited to meet you guys. I'm excited to teach you some things and something that maybe you've never learned before, which might just possibly shift the way you think about you and your sports and your athletics. And if that happens, you could possibly have completely different results. Imagine what could happen if I was right. All right, now the podcast. All right. Hey, flipping Awesome Athletes and Coaches. It's Amy Twiggs here, and I am so excited today. We have a special guest, Angela Lewis, and this, this woman, she is highly decorated. She's done so much for the sport and in the sport. She's not only loved the sport, but she's giving back so much to the sport now for, for basketball specifically. So she's a former professional basketball player. I'm just going to kind of Tell them a couple of things about you, Angela, and then you can jump in and add to it. Does that sound good? Absolutely. I think I could probably go on for a while about the things that I've been, you know, reading about you, but just some of the things that to highlight about this amazing woman is she's, um, a, she's been a former collegiate coach, championship winning collegiate coach, and she's an author. Tell me if I'm wrong about any of this, but she's an author of many books, you guys. So maybe check out some of Angela Lewis books, right? She's, um, one of them is the game changing assist and there's, she just recently, did you just release another one? Is that what I, I was? I did. Yes. Yeah. Little game plan. Okay. So you guys, you got to check her out. So for those, for the books and then, um, not, and I'm sure the topics that she writes about are not just for basketball players. I'm sure it's going to help everybody. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep. Everybody for sure. Love it. So she's super, a recognized leader. She's awarded a variety of accolades and honors. She was um, the distinguished young professional in education. Is that what I was reading? And yes. youth empowerment. And so she's from St. Louis. That's her hometown. That's where she's still teaching and helping and training. And she speaks at like a motivational speaker at a lot of events. Um, she spoke at the Nike Elite 100 camp and the National Youth Summit on economics, justice, all these different things. I, I think I could just go on all day as I was going through. I'm like, oh my goodness, in four years, she had a full ride scholarship to, was it St. Louis University? Mm -hmm. Right. And she did amazing things there, as you can imagine. And then she was on the professional team in Germany, which I want to hear about. I'm just fascinated with all of it. And then she, did you, you said you had, um, from what I remember reading or seeing is that you, you were the championship team for the collegiate team that you, national champions, right? Is that right? For the 
St. Louis Surge. So it's a professional women's team here in St. Louis. Oh, okay, okay. The title in 2014. So I've coached at every level from fifth graders through professional women. So tell me, I know you don't want to like sound biased, but what are kind of the age groups that you really enjoy coaching? <laughs> Is that terrible to ask? <laughs> well, so my favorite, well, I love different age groups for different reasons. So high school, I can teach them more advanced things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's still, there's still this drive to kind of get at the, get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the little kids are adorable because the game is so new. And yeah. I remember the first game I coached with my brother. I coached my niece's team with my brother. She was nine at the time. And we told them to, to start the game and go on the floor. Completely forgot to tell them how to line up for a jump ball. Like things that we just took for granted. It was our first game, they all just went on the court and looked around and we were like, oh gosh, we probably should have taught them that. So the innocence and newness is pretty refreshing. Yeah, no, that's so true. I love it when they just look at you with these big eyes, like what's next coach? <laughs> so, And the passion is just so alive in them, right? They're just playing, which is why all of us started playing sports. We just wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to hear, first of all, just about what, what got you where you went. Cause you went from playing like a, you know, three, five-year-old, seven-year-old, wherever you started to the professional. So that was a long road. That was a road where I'm sure you had times where you're like, is this worth it? Do I want to keep going? Should I just quit? Am I missing out on other? This is one thing I hear a lot, Angela. And I just heard it again from another parent that came to me. My, the coaches want my child to come four days a week now. I just feel like they're robbing her of her childhood. And so, you know, there's that, that idea that I said, is that really what you want to believe? But I want to hear your background, what brought you to where you were at, how you overcame obstacles, maybe some of the obstacles that we could all relate to, too, and some of the athletes today could, could see themselves in, right? Yeah, definitely. So I was five foot eight in the fifth grade when I was 10 years old. What? I am six one, Amy, and I've been this height since I was 12. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Well, that in itself was probably a bit of an obstacle amongst peers, right? Maybe. I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. I had low confidence. You know, it was just awkward being (laughs) taller than everyone. Yeah. When I was in the seventh grade, I was coming out of Blockbuster video. Remember Blockbuster? Yes. (laughs) Okay, perfect. There's a few of us who still remember this place that was wonderful. So I'm coming out of there with my family and this guy who coached a girls team basically said, hey, do you play ball? Because of course I'm six one. And you know, and he's like, do you play ball? I say, yes. And he invites me to come to a practice. And I would never forget walking in the gym and these girls were so good. They were throwing behind the back passes. Oh my God, no look pass. And I wasn't good. Like I didn't know that I wasn't good. <laughs> I stuck on the court with them. And then, I just started working, like trying and messing up and trying and messing up and missing layups. Our first game, I missed so many shots. The ball was slipped through my hands because they really understood the game. I didn't, but it was fun. Like the game was fun. And so I have older brothers who played and we would play in the backyard. And then the game became more serious. I saw that there was an opportunity to play college basketball mm-hmm. after getting my first recruiting letter and starting to see women on TV. That was a big deal, like the power of media and representation. Yeah. So from there, I just kept playing, you know, select ball in the summer and of course with my high school team and then received a full athletic scholarship 
to St. Louis University. And gosh, I tell you, first semester freshman year is the worst. Like for any college athlete, because that jump from high school to college is just, it's, it's night and day. Tell me about that, because I felt that same thing, but I actually felt it was so much more fun when mm -hmm. I got to college. The only thing I thought it, when I went to college is, am I smart enough for college? That was my own thing, right? That I, and I went to the first class, I'm like, wait a second, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. But the sports was so different in college, and I thought it was so much more exciting for me than in club days. I don't know how, how it was for you, but tell me about it. Sure, so college was really intense for on the basketball side, just first semester, because everything is so new. Yeah. And, you know, you're trying to find where you're gonna fit on the team, and preseason felt like forever. Mm -hmm. You know, with basketball, it's, it's all year round. Yeah. But it was, what happens is that you're able to push yourself to a level you didn't know was possible. Just, you don't have a choice. And so I thought I understood what hard work meant, and I didn't. And then you get to college, and it's like, oh, I, I can really go to these limits? Well, let's see how much higher I can push myself. What do you think inspired you to push yourself? Because you do have a choice. I'm, I'm just going to pause you because I'm a mental coach. Come on, Angela. <laughs> but I just want to pause you because there are times where we do think we don't have a choice, but at the same time, some things keep moving us forward and some things hold us back. What do you think inspired you to keep going beyond your limits? Because of course, everybody didn't probably push themselves the way you did. Do you think it was from your upbringing or do you think it was because you had coaches or you had some people helping you out? That's a really good question. Part of it was I wanted to play. Like, I didn't go to sit the bench. And so part of it was like, all right, we have these seniors and these juniors. Well, I'm, I'm going to play. You know, like, I, was just, I wasn't resigned to um, just being a freshman who just showed up. That wasn't enough for me. Um, you weren't happy with just the scholarship? Come on, you got a full body scholarship. You didn't want to just sit there and be like, I got it. <laughs> basketball is a long, long season. I was not okay with that. And I knew that, you know, you see what your coaches care about. They, they value those, they value all the kids, but particularly those ones who work hard, you get, you get treated a little different mm -hmm. in the, in the best kinds of ways. They're affirming, they're excited. And so I just wanted, I wanted to play and I wanted to be able to help my team in a meaningful way for all four years. Yeah. So you didn't make it about you. You saw how you could help the team, which I think is a really huge point too, that you wanted to help the team and you wanted to push your limits. Like you saw where your limits were and then you were able to say, I think I got a little more of me. Is that kind of what you were saying? Well, I wanted to win and I wanted to play. <laughs> I want to win. Because <laughs> why not? If you're going to be putting all this time and energy into it, why not win? Exactly. Right? Yeah, but things my junior year. So I started my sophomore year. I played a significant minutes my freshman year. Started my sophomore year. Had incredible seasons all conference. And my junior year, I didn't play I didn't um, play well. I wasn't playing well. The most difficult year of my four years in college in terms of on the court, because I couldn't like crack the code to what was happening. I was what do you think was happening now that you can look in hindsight? Do you have some more insight into that? I was overthinking and putting so much pressure on myself to be perfect, especially coming off an all-conference season. Mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't as relaxed in playing as I was before. Cause you had this expectation, like, I can't go lower than this Yeah, at this all conference level. And you're like, if I go lower then that shows something about my inability instead of, I got to keep going up. Okay. That makes sense. Keep going. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you unpacking. I should have talked to you years ago about this. 
<laughs> so that was that was hard. That was really hard. Contemplating, well, should I keep playing? Should I stay at the school? Like, why? What's happening? I mean, I I could not crack the code, but it's torn. But the the irony is, we had a better season as a team. So we were winning more. We went to postseason play for the first time. We had a group of seniors who really wanted to make that year special. It was the first time in school history that we went to postseason play. And so you know, I had that tension between we're winning way more than the year before, but I'm not performing. So I really need to be happy for my team. However, I definitely want to play. Right. Interesting. That's really fascinating, actually, because you do think, hey, I want to be the one that's leading the team, but maybe part of it was we can all still figure this out together. It's not just me taking care of this team. It's everybody's taking care of the team, which is a hard thing to let go of when you are the top. It really is. You know, my sophomore year, we had a number of injuries. Um, I was captain of the team. My senior year, I wasn't captain. I mean, my junior year, you know, we had a number of seniors and rightfully so like they had worked and and they were captain it was just this completely it's like a role shift in some ways right. however i'm sure my coaches would have been okay with me performing better sure right, right. With that. so you um, felt a little bit maybe demoted too then in that way is that what you're saying um i didn't feel demoted i just didn't know how to be vulnerable enough to say here's what's happening i need help I just thought if you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing through, then eventually something works. But I was definitely not the most willing to articulate. I've always been a bit reserved to myself, opposed to saying, hey guys, here's what's happening. Can you look for me on the down screen or, you know, whatever. Do you feel like that's pretty typical for a lot of high school athletes and college athletes is they have a tendency to be a little reserved because they don't want to, especially the ones who are at the top, they don't want anybody to know that they're actually struggling inside. Definitely. I work with young women and young men all the time. And I, I've had young people break down because of, over a drill that isn't, doesn't, isn't seemingly that difficult. And then they break down because they didn't make it in whatever time and we begin to unpack and it's, oh, the hit, they are able to reveal here's what's really happening. Yeah, it's hard to be wrong. You expect this to be tough. Sports isn't necessarily the place where you're encouraged to, um, express how things aren't going well, you know, you, it's not the most place, it's not the place to be most vulnerable about em emotionally vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the more we resist feeling all the negative emotions that are going on inside of us, the worse we feel and the worse we play, we start feeling stuck and it makes the cycle just seem harder and harder. And we can't figure out, like you were saying, what in the world's going on? Like I'm capable. Why, am, why aren't I playing and performing the way I know I'm capable of playing and performing? Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. I think nowadays there's more supports on campuses. There's sports psychologists and you know, performance coaches who are there. So if yeah. players are open and receptive, there's at least people they can talk to without feeling judged or, or thinking that they're going to be judged. Yeah. And do you feel like it's pretty common to come to some point in your athletic career where you really do just wonder if you should just quit and let it go? Yep. <laughs> your junior year, you got to that to that your junior year. A lot of times, I find it with um, juniors and seniors in high school, right before they have this pressure of deciding if they're going to be good enough to get a scholarship, and if they're not, why are they even putting forth this effort when they don't even know yet? It's just like they fail before they even Absolutely. before they're told that they're a failure. You know that they're just going to go ahead and decide beforehand. I don't want to be told I can't make it on a team, so let me just quit now. 
Do you ever see that? Amy, girl, <laughs> let me tell you, I saw this article that said there are, there's a decrease in high school participation in sports. And one of the leading sports that's a decrease is women's basketball, girls' basketball. So I started talking to coach, my coaching friends. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Do you see this? And they said, yeah, they don't, they don't even come out as much anymore because it's so specialized now. Like kids are getting trained earlier. So if you're a freshman and you've never played, it's incredibly intimidating. Like you don't want to be, you don't want the video that's going viral of you doing something crazy on the court. You know, there's more for a lot of kids. There is this fear of being embarrassed publicly, which can happen pretty quickly nowadays. And so kids are like, no, no, I haven't played. No, I'm, I'm just not going to give it a try. So yeah, I definitely see that kids are, are stopping quicker. So they're kind of correlating the two with the social media, maybe the opportunity of having more embarrassing moments be portrayed to everybody immediately. Maybe that's one of the reasons why people are reserved to joining teams where they don't feel 100% confident in their skills. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. That's, that's part of it. And there are other things that girls are doing, like they're playing volleyball or some are more involved in cheerleading opposed to basketball. But yeah. basketball is a pretty specialized sport. There's a lot of things that have to go right. It's a lot happening on the court. So, mm -hmm. And like you said, that this is just like every sport. You're starting younger and younger. Mm -hmm. And the skill sets and the drills and the technique are being taught at such a young age that when you just want to jump in as a, you know, as a high school player, that is intimidating, right? It doesn't mean that they can't be on the team. It just isn't, or maybe not, I don't know. But it is intimidating to be like, I think I got skill but I don't have any background experience, right? Exactly. And you know, it's this, as a basketball purist, I love the game. I, I'm most full of joy when I walk into a rec center and I just see kids playing, right? It's not about getting a scholarship. The game is, it is a lot of fun to make buckets. Like it doesn't matter how good you are at all the other things, just being in between the lines, just playing, being healthy, running around. That is, that's important. And sometimes we lose that, that real, that understanding that is just the game. And it was meant to be fun. It wasn't meant to be kind of what we've turned it into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that the interesting part about that is when, like when I work with, with athletes, when we can let go of the game for a while, when we're a high competitive athlete and we can separate ourselves from the game for a little bit, then we find that love again. Because when we, when we have it away, it's like you, you miss something that's gone that you don't have, right? All of a sudden, when you feel like you have to do it, it you kind of lose the desire. But when you're like, wait a second, I can never do it again oh, no, no, I want to do it. And then the passion comes back and then your game goes up. It's really interesting how that happens where people think I can never quit. But if we really take them through the idea of, yes, you can, then they go, but I don't want to. And then they want to play again, you know? It changes things. You know, I'm a big proponent of designated off periods, mm -hmm. off season, which we live in a high, high stress culture that says, keep going, you know, sleep when you're dead, like all, all this stuff that suggests rest isn't valuable when in fact it's essential mm -hmm. for recovery, for, for growth, to keep the passion. Like you got to step away for a little bit and, you, and it helps to know when you get, you know, I, when I was in college, we knew when the off day was. It's like, all right, if I just make it through Friday, I'm okay. You know, you need some designated time 
yeah. to let the body recover. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so much about. So, like you, I just feel passionate about the enjoyment of the sport. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, teammates, former teammates who have never walked in the gym again after the last day of their college career, and I just, my heart goes out to them, going, "How did you survive all those years without mm -hmm. the passion?" You know, exactly. that's impressive to me that they were able to stay in a sport that they that they chose not to enjoy anymore. But what I would prefer is to show the athletes that you know you can love this forever, like you were just a new beginner. And think about how when you're done as a pro basketball player at the end, what do you want to do? You want to help other people be able to feel that same passion. And that's just, that helps everybody, right? It does. And you put so many years into it. I mean, if, you, if you're a college athlete, you probably started playing middle school or younger. Mm -hmm. So we're talking seven years, including 11 or if not more, that's a lot of time and energy. And you have a very, you have a very unique, um, skill set and you probably know the game better than most so yeah. you have all of this wisdom that you can teach for sure yeah so angela what at what age did you end up joining a team because it sounds like you just play for fun with your brothers and at home for a while what age did you actually join a competitive team 12th and 7th grade 7th grade yep. yeah and today's days like the standard today that would be kind of waiting for quite a while right that's kind of an old age to start would have been really late and I would have received a buy because I was six one. <laughs> so anyone would be cool and they would have worked with me because of, uh, you know, my height. Uh -huh. Yeah. The thing that's terrible, Amy, about being that tall and starting later than most is people expect you to be really good. Oh, I bet. And they're so disappointed that <laughs> you're not good and you're that tall. Yeah, you can't waste that height. Come on, come on, Angela. <laughs> Literally is what they said to me, <laughs> verbatim. Oh my goodness! My brothers said that verbatim. <laughs> Your brothers—they're they're the ones that kept you moving forward. Like Angela, you were given this height. At least catch the ball and throw it. Exactly. Right? And yeah, make the shot. <laughs> there's nothing else I could have been good at, but basketball. But it's okay. It worked out. So I'm it worked out. Isn't that funny? How we, we think there could have been other ways, but actually, in the end, you look back, and for me at least, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yep. right? I could choose to tell myself a different sto story, but why? Why do that? What's the upside of that, right? So here's a couple other thoughts. The relationships in high school sports, as compared to college, as compared to pro, and then you were an international, like you went to Germany to play. Those relationships, I think relationships are so important, but they, it feels different at each level, right? Being on the national team, being on the college team, they're all different. And then being the coach of a team, of a championship team. In fact, I wanted you to voice just a little bit about how you got your team to unite and the dynamics to be able to have a championship team, which takes work with the relationships, right? It does. So tell me a little bit about just what you see in relationships between when you were on the different teams and as a coach of a championship team. That's such a great question. I haven't reflected on that, so I'm gonna, which is great. These are my first thoughts about this. I've never talked about this before. So high school, more people are just playing for fun. You know, I went to a high school where I was the only one to receive a Division I scholarship. So I was, you know, the best player on the team. We didn't have a great legacy, a long legacy of winning um, at the time. And so everything we did was pretty special, you know. Um, but my, so there was the high school team, which was incredibly supportive, friends, but most people were just there for fun. We had maybe three or four who, who I was really close to, we did you know, significantly more. And then there was a summer team, 
which is a different dynamic too. This is my select team. And all of these girls play college ball. All of, all of us went on to play somewhere, mostly division one. So the level of competitiveness, the drive was very different. And then in college, you know, you walk in and you're not the very best anymore. That not the throws you for a little loop, right? It does. It does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you walk in and everyone else already knows the system. So you have to learn the systems, learn your coaches. And college athletics is really unique in that. I was talking to one of my old teammates and she said, we, we had to like, beat each other up every day, but then we were still expected to like each other, which is a really interesting dynamic because we're fighting for court time. I think now there's more like males teams that come and you're practicing against those guys, but it was by and large just us like killing each other daily. <laughs> so, you know, there are some tensions there for sure. And then at the professional level, you, there's, you're there to win and to play to win. So we weren't as close. Like there weren't as many close relationships there when I was in Germany. There were a couple, but people just had their own lives. You know, when you're in college, you're, even though on the court you're killing each other, at least you go to, you know, you have lunch together or you're doing things socially. To, you're on the bus together talking, laughing. You're doing other things. You know, you can go to your teammates' home. Whereas when I was in Germany, it was, that was very different and very eye-opening. It was incredible to be in another country and to experience another culture and have teammates from different parts of the world. Incredibly eye-opening. And then I'm coaching. I want to pause just for a second. I'm just curious about the professional, because everybody, here's the thing that's interesting when you're talking about that, is that every athlete in high school thinks in their head I don't know every, I'm just generalizing, but they want to go to college. And then they're like, what if I could go to the pros? Because it seems so glamorous that once you get there, then you'll be happy. Then you'll be good enough as a person. Then you're enough as a human being, right? But when you're at the pros, at least for me, when I talk to the pros, it's not always as glamorous as everybody makes it sound. And it doesn't mean it's all bad either. There's a ton of experience. But the, like you said, the relationships there were probably less connected, more disconnected than the relationships in college and the relationships in high school, which is fascinating too. When your eyes only look at the highest level as that's the only way I'm good enough as a person, you know, maybe that's something to be considered. It's not that you can't get there because we could all get there, but maybe there's another way of doing it, getting there, feeling amazing as a person, as a human, as an athlete all along the way, despite the level you're at. Amy, <laughs> like, I just want to snap up. Everything you're saying, it's so true. The amount of identity that's connected to performance mm -hmm. and the impact that that has on how we feel about ourselves can be pretty devastating because all of us are more than whatever sport we play. You know, all, there's so much more to who we are than our performance and capabilities. And we do think that, oh, if I get there, then, then everyone will know. So there, there's this insatiable desire for external validation that happens culturally now. And some of it, I'm not a, I'm not a sub person that hates social media, right? However, <laughs> <laughs> How can you hate social media? Like nobody can, but then it's the worst enemy too, right? Yeah, I mean, there's some great things that can happen. However, if, you, if you're constantly seeking validation from others and that's in their willingness to like or love or comment on your post determines your value, mm -hmm. when that's not happening, mm -hmm. then, then you're questioning yourself, right? And so I think this similarly, 
is if we don't get to a certain level, it means that we're not good enough overall in life. And that's just one small part of our identity, one part of our identity that we chose to focus on. Yeah. And you're not gonna, look, you're not gonna win all the time. You know, I think you know, I'm, working, I'm working with kids and they're getting frustrated every time they miss a shot. Right. It's cool that they care, like that's important. But the best players in the world only make 50% of their shots. We're talking about the greats. They're missing every other one. And so I'm like, kid, you just missed a couple. Like, you're going to miss. It's part of the deal. If you never miss, you wouldn't need me. Like, why would you be here? So, right. right. Yeah, if you never miss, it wouldn't be fun. You wouldn't do it anyways. Because when you do it, when you do something right every time, you get bored really quick. It's the challenge that keeps us going. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I think it's interesting, the, the failure. I think it's super interesting because I always think about, hey, if we, if we watched an Olympics where everybody won everything, nobody would watch it. No one would watch. Like, no. This is so boring. <laughs> we know the outcome. And we always want to know the outcome. But if we know the outcome, we're like, well, then why try? We already know they're all going to win, right? You know, that happens when you get dynasty teams. You know, when UConn went on their 90-plus run or the Patriots win the Super Bowl every year, the first few years are like, this is incredible. And then people are like, oh, okay, they're going to win. Whatever. <laughs> one. I know what the ending is going to be already. Let me know if there's anything surprising that happens, right? But right. breaking feel good is probably not, you know. Well, take, take a minute to tell us about, as a coach of a national team, how did you build the dynamics with the relationships there? Because it's got to be hard to be the coach trying to keep everybody from, you know, punching each other out when as a college team like you were saying you have to be fighting against each other in order to get spots but then when you're in a game you have to be totally 100% supporting each other sure so I was an assistant coach with the St. Louis Surge it's a professional women's team here and we have players from all over the country and you know like most professional women's teams our season was pretty short and so not only were we challenged with how do we build chemistry and synergy but how, how do we get everyone on the same page for the few months that we have to go on this run um, for this national title? And so what ends up happening is you talk a lot. You have a lot of conversations, a lot of player meetings, team meetings. You, you have to communicate. So you have to speed up the, the level of communication and the quantity of communication to make sure that you have understanding. And then when problems happen, you got to got to nip them in the bud pretty early on and be really in tune emotionally to players mm -hmm. so that's that was part of the work and they fight you know part of what we what we really focused on with this being a tough and hard working team mm. one of the things I find when I'm talking to athletes as teams um, coaches will say hey we just need the team to be united I said what if we work on the individual to be united with themselves and then if they can show up as 100% them, that's the best teammate everybody needs. But when you're fighting, it's because you're feeling very insecure about yourself. Oh, right? so true. And we don't, we don't take enough time. We don't, see, we could talk all day. So we don't take enough time to really get to know ourselves mm -hmm. and to be clear about what makes us tick, to be clear about what it takes to, for us to feel happy, whole, safe, secure, so then we can go out and give that to other people. I remember thinking that my physical body was specifically for performance, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Not around like my health, my spiritual well-being. I came to perform, you know. And and then you get older, you're like, oh, I missed the boat. Like I'm not doing that anymore as much. So then 
I still have to live in this body. Right. So how do how do I take care of it in a much much different way? Yeah, you're you're right on target. I love that. How do you appreciate yourself and as a team? Like yeah, like I was saying, I just I love the ideas. They always say there's no me and team. I said there's absolutely me and team. I'm sorry, that's sure. that's my thought. Obviously, where I'm like, if you want a team, you've got to take care of the individual. They have to understand, like you just said, the safety. Uh, for gymnastics, at least, I always know that when an athlete comes to me the emotion underlying it is because it's not because they want preventative help. It's because they're stuck or they're struggling. It always has to do with safety. They feel unsafe emotionally, like their position is threatened or they feel unsafe physically, or they feel unsafe, you know, whatever, mentally, whatever it is, but it always seems once they feel safe, they're not going to be like, I feel safe. Instead, they're going to be like, I feel like I can breathe again. I feel like I have energy again. Now I feel like I can go and get motivated and go do these things again. But it usually the underlying is, an unsafe feeling and, and an insecure feeling. And once we can resolve those, they, they like, they can do anything again. You feel free, liberated. Yeah. Yeah. So just a couple other, I just, a couple of other things you've worked with so many different people. You've been able to connect with so many different people. Are there any, um, any opportunities that stand out to you or any people, any athletes that you've worked with that really stand out to you as somebody that, has inspired you in a way that might help us. And because I just love when we're working with athletes in our specific sports, there's just so many stories all the time where I'm like, I just want to tell every athlete about this athlete, mm -hmm. right? Do you have any of those? There is a young, absolutely, absolutely, I have them. The first one that popped in my mind was this young lady named Carrie. And Carrie played basketball. I was one of the coaches at Webster University in St. Louis, Missouri, Division Three school. Okay. The thing about Division Three schools is they don't have athletic scholarships. So anybody who shows up to clone the team is there because they want to be there because they probably had, you know, they probably had another option. Right. And so Carrie had asthma. And we had to watch Carrie because she played so hard. Yeah. Carrie would push herself to the point of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And we were like, all right, do you have who has her inhaler? Because we couldn't like scale her back. She, it was unbelievable to just see this young woman work because, and there's this assumption, at least in the area that I live and talking to people that like division three basketball is not, players aren't as intense or committed because they're not on scholarship. But this young lady went hard. So there was one particular day in practice, we're doing this full court drill and Carrie is running and we see Carrie just kind of slow down on the sideline. And she, she had worked so hard and pushed herself so hard that we had to make sure she had her inhaler. She, she was fine, thankfully. But Carrie, that, it really stood out to me because that was the first college coaching job that I had. And so I used Carrie as kind of the standard for hard work when I went on to coach at Division I schools and professionally and so on from there. So Carrie was incredible. She worked and worked. But she was fun to work with. And you see that passion and that drive, and it's something that you want to inject into everybody. Like if we could just get this into every single athlete where they're just like, I just want to play. I just put me in coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Okay. So I don't want to take a lot of time, but I could talk to you forever. So we're going to have to have you back on here and um, talk about a few more things, but I'm super, so glad that you've been on here today. There's so much that just goodness that that I want to offer to the athletes, just like you, we all want to just help these athletes wrap them up and just say, you guys are incredible. And remember how much fun the sport is, right? Is that kind of how you feel? 
Oh, I feel the exact same way. And so many things have to go right for you to make a jump shot, right? So we take those little things for granted that we know how to do in gymnastics. I mean, I'm sure there's so, well, I've seen videos that I couldn't even begin. <laughs> I've never done a cartwheel, by the way. See, it's so fun. When you say you see kids playing on the playground and that's where it just softens your heart. Whenever I see a kid at the park doing cartwheels, I'm like, oh, this is what it's for, you know? I love cartwheels. Amy, I am so afraid to do a cartwheel. <laughs> well, you and I will have to get together then. I'm so tall. I feel like my legs aren't going to get back fast enough and I'm going to wipe out. Right? Well, there's a difference between do you really want to learn how to do a cartwheel or are you committed to learning how to do a cartwheel? If you're committed, I'll come teach you, Angela. <laughs> okay. We all want to learn things, but once we're committed, that's what you see on the court, right? We all want to be the best basketball player, but that means nothing if you don't have the commitment. So true. I'm not committed. You're right. Thank you for unpacking <laughs> that for me. Definitely not committed. <laughs> I love it. You're so great. Okay. So, if there was one thing that you would tell these athletes, I always, I love to focus on these high school because I really feel like in high school, it's like the make or break years where you're just like, it wasn't, the stories that I hear them tell themselves, either they love it, but they're just not good enough or they're, um, they're really good, they're good enough, but then they don't think they're capable of getting scholarships so they quit or it's been a waste their whole life or they're afraid of disappointing or the pressure they feel is too much. You know, all these different stories that we have that cause different results and in my mind, I just want to say, hey, we all get a choice here. We always get a choice. It gets to be whatever we want. But do you have a, a takeaway that you would give to these athletes that just sometimes feel burned out and pressured and don't know what to do next, how to move forward? So the advice that I would give is to track what you're doing. Mm -hmm. For example, I have parents who will say, you know, I want my daughter to gain more confidence. And I said, well, well, like, how often is she in the gym? And they're like, oh, she goes a few days here, she does that. And I said, well, imagine if she made 500 shots a week, which isn't a lot. I mean, you can do it pretty simply. That sounds like a lot to me. hundred <laughs> shots a day, you can, you can get 100 shots in. I can teach you how to do that. <laughs> have some help. Both of us need to help each other, right? Yes, yes. So if you make 500 shots a week, then that's 2,000 a month. Over the course of the year, you've made 24,000 shots. You feel pretty good about yourself if you know what if you know the work that you've put in and oftentimes athletes are working but we dismiss it as par for the course oh this is just what i do but if you really stop to reflect on what you've done and how much work you put in you'll see that you're pretty special in the grand scheme and so i say celebrate the small wins that was a really long way of saying record what you're doing that you feel good about so that you can go back and look at it on those days when you don't feel good about what you're doing mm -hmm. and celebrate the little things that you do well, opposed to only criticizing yourself for not doing everything right. I love the idea that you just said, um, kind of collect data. When you can see, it's easier for you to believe that you've done something when you've, col when you've collected data to say, look what I've done. Write down your small accomplishments. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Angela. Okay, so because you're just super amazing and fabulous, I'm sure I'm going to have listeners that are like, I want to find Angela. How do people connect and follow you? What would they, where do they need to go? So you can go on Instagram, A. Lewis Speaks on Instagram and Twitter. And then my website is AngelaRLewis.com and then Angela Lewis on Facebook. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes so we have that. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate you and all the work you're doing with all these, these young women and these athletes. 
it's inspiring. And so I so appreciate meeting beautiful people like you who have this passion to help athletes just have their own passion, right? All right, thanks for your time today. You're welcome, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening or have questions about something you heard on this podcast, go to Flippin' Awesome Coaching to get your questions answered. Thanks for sharing this episode with your friends. Have a flippin' awesome week. Bye. Hey there, Flippin' Awesome friends. Listen up. We really want you to use this downtime right now to strengthen your mental game. It can be so difficult in the midst of normal training to really work on learning the mental skills that you need to perform at your peak. There's no more perfect time than this when you can't be at practice and working out to learn all those workouts that you need for your brain. So take this time that you have right now and use it so that when you go back into your sport, You'll be better prepared than you've ever been and farther ahead. What if it was possible, truly possible, to go back after this break and be farther ahead than you've ever been? Well, I promise it's totally possible. So the Flippin' Awesome Coaches have been providing extra webinars, and I'm going to post some of those in the uh, some of the replays from the other coaches at Flippin' Awesome Coaching, just as bonus podcast episodes for you to listen to. And all of us at Flippin' Awesome Coaching are here to help you be the happy, healthy athlete in and out of the gym. Right now could be just the time you've needed to level up your game and use it wisely. You guys got this. Hey there, Flippin' Awesome friends. Today we are going to hear from Coach Allie with Flippin' Awesome Coaching. She's going to talk specifically to the coaches. Now, it's a little bit glitchy, but bear through. It's great information. So you coaches, if you're sitting at home wondering what can I be doing right now when I'm just, there's nothing to do, know that Allie's going to give you a couple great ideas. She's going to give you a tool, super short. Don't miss it.